Hello, I am Glenn Shirley, a mechanical designer, a user group leader, and a CSWE. I created this podcast to answer the question, is there a better way? To introduce a community that will help you learn and grow. A podcast with a passion for the software as strong as yours. This is the Bender Podcast. Let's begin. Welcome back to a new episode of the Bender Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Glenn Shirley, and I'll be joined shortly by my good friend and fellow engineer, Michael Wood. That intro music is a call to action to me. I always get so excited knowing I'm going to get to talk about SolidWorks and get to teach the listeners some new tips and tricks. Michael, I think I even see you dancing over there. That's right, Glenn. Have you heard of this new dance? It's called the Macarena? I've been known to cut a rug to the Macarena back in the day. So you do know about it? Huh. Well, anyway, I've been looking at the emails, and uh, it looks like people want to know about sheet metal. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. We we know some things about sheet metal. Yes, we do. And I'd like to take a moment to thank all of the listeners for the reviews and the wonderful emails, as Michael just talked about. This week's quote is from Aesop's Fable of the Oak and the Reed. Bend, don't break. When working with sheet metal, you have to be flexible. There are so many ways to complete the projects that come across your desk, and we hope to talk about all of them. This is intended for a beginner, but even if you've been using sheet metal for a while, we hope you walk away and add one of these methods to your daily workflow. When your first sheet metal project is on your desk, the terminology can be like an English language. Imagine giving someone a seat of solid works for the first time. They're not going to know necessarily how to solid model. So even if you know solid modeling already, sheet metal is going to be a whole new game to you. So we're going to talk about the terminology of all that and the different methods of how to use sheet metal. So I'm going to go ahead and break into the terminology now. The first thing you're going to look at is metal thickness. Sheet metal is simply any piece of metal with a width ranging between 0.5 and 6 millimeters. The width is what defines sheet metal thickness. Any piece exceeding 6 millimeters is known as plate steel. Thickness of less than 0.5 is known as foil metal. Next is the K-factor. In sheet metal, the K-factor is the ratio of the neutral axis to the material thickness. When a piece of material is formed, the inner portion of the bend compresses while the outer portion expands. Next is the relief type. You're going to look at a tear, a rectangle, or an round, and that's simply the cutout at the edges of a flange in your metal. Then we're going to go to the bend radius. The bend radius is the distance from the bend axis to the inside surface of the material, between the bend lines. Never set the bend radius less than the metal thickness. Cut length in sheet metal is not the total of all edges and radius. The deformation of the part to get the cut size is not an easy process. It is different depending on material thickness, angle of bend, and bend radius. Thank you, Michael, for that excellent explanation of our terminology. I would like to talk about some sheet metal features in SolidWorks you may not know about. Convert Entities creates a soft relationship. I use this every day in both sheet metal and 3D modeling. When using the edge flange, you can edit the sketch and you will notice both ends of the flange are black. This is because of the convert entities relationship with the edge. Here is the cool part. When you edit the sketch, you can grab the line and just move it over. This will allow you to create a notch on the flange for clearance or any interference with another part in an assembly without using the cut command. How amazing is that? The notch will even stay the same if you increase the size of the flange. You can use this with 3D modeling as well. Create a sketch of a box, then extrude it. The second sketch will be on any side of the box, and now it functions the same as with the edge flange. When working with sheet metal, you will find that you use different gauges, K-factors, and bend radiuses. 
And this is just in your shop. If you outsource parts, they are different as well. It would be nice if you could store all this information somewhere. The gauge table in SolidWorks is that place where you store all this information. SolidWorks provides you with a default table located under the SolidWorks folder where you can customize them to your individual needs. When you open the table, you will see that it's a spreadsheet. Simply enter your information here and save it. When you start a new sheet metal part, you can check to use the gauge table and select yours from the list. All that is left to do is to pick the gauge you need and all your stored information is available. This cuts down on time and reduces errors. Method 1. Insert bins. Let's get started. We're going to go over three basic methods of creating sheet metal parts and then Michael's going to counter it with the edge flange method. And when we're doing this, we're going to rate it on a scale of one to five bins up. One being not so good and five being the best you can give. Now, wait a minute. What if it's like really bad? Can we do bins down? Absolutely. And go on and get it out of your system before we get into method one. I know you don't like it, so go on and voice your opinion on it. A hundred bins down. It's terrible. If you use it, I think less of you as a person. And for this example, we're going to use, let's just say like a metal shoebox. When we first started using insert bins, it was about 97 or 98. Michael, how old was you in 97? Uh, if I say the fourth root of 16, it sounds a lot better than two, doesn't it? Absolutely, it does. But we didn't have all of this fancy stuff that we have today. We started out with a 3D model. We shelled or we cut it and we made this beautiful 3D modeled part. And then we had to use the insert bin methods. Now, I like to use this method when I'm teaching someone just starting out in sheet metal or, you know, a student who spent hours creating this absolute wonderful 3D model. They've shelled it. They've got all these bins in it that they've drawn, but they have no rips in it. And they come to me and they're like, well, how do I get a flat pattern out of this? And I'm like, let me introduce you into the insert sheet metal method. Now, before we get into how you do that, Michael, you we were talking earlier this week and you give an excellent example of a flat pattern. For people who've never worked with sheet metal, why don't you give us your example you was talking to me earlier about, about a flat pattern? Sure thing. I like to think of a flat pattern as a piece of paper. So imagine you're going to make a box out of a piece of paper. You're going to take your flat page and you're going to simply fold up the sides until you've got your box. Now, of course, you're going to have to cut your corners out which is where your rips are going to come into play in the SolidWorks. I like to think about it. When we were all kids at Christmas, we created snowflakes, and they were all hinged together when you would cut them out. So that's really key into thinking about when you're working into sheet metal, how the part is going to hinge together. Now, for the insert bin method, like I said, stated earlier, you've got your 3D model. It's all modeled up. Everything's great. But you'll notice there's no bins or rips in it. So to answer that question of how do we unfold it, so you would select the flattest surface of the part. And for our example of the shoe box, it's the bottom of it. And then you would go around to each corner and you would select that as a rip or a tear. You would enter all of your sheet metal information. And then what it would do is after you completed it, is it would put rips in those corners and it would unfold it into a flat pattern. Now, Michael, coming up to current technology, the edge flange method, and I agree with you, is definitely better than this. So just walk us through how you would create this part using the edge flange method. Well, Rather than going through your example of hours making the perfect part with your shells and your cuts and all this stuff, you're going to make a base flange that's the length and width of your part, and then you're going to go around the edge and put edge flanges on it. And boom, you're done. That is by far a better method. We did not have all those cool commands when I started. We carved the design out in stone with a chisel. I still remember update 1.0. 
the paper and pencil. We were so excited. You are literally older than dirt. Method two, thin feature. And that brings us to method two, the base flange with a thin feature. Now, when you're using a thin feature, you can think of a C channel. You've got your base and two walls. So to begin a thin feature, you're going to start with the cross section of your C channel or your hat channel. Then you're going to use the base flange method to extrude this the length that you would like. So you're going to declare a wall thickness and a bend radius just like you would with any other sheet metal tool. Once you've created your thin feature, you can use any of the standard sheet metal tools with this. You can now add edge flanges, miter flanges, jogs, and hems, whatever you'd like. Now there are limits to the thin feature. Editing is the biggest one. You lose that soft relationship of your edge flanges. You have to have a fixed sketch. Now you can have just your floating blue lines, but they're not going to have any dimensions to them as the edge flange would with the soft relations. Michael's example showed us how to create a thin feature method. Now let me counter it with the edge flange method. So let's create a hat channel using both. First create a sketch on the front plane, then draw the profile of the part. To go over some settings that will help you in sketch, turn on the following. Auto rotate view, normal to sketch. And what this means is, is anytime you create a sketch, it's going to rotate your view to it so you don't have to do that. Enable on-screen numeric input on creation and also turn on create dimension only when entered. What this allows you to do is enter the dimensions as you go. And if you don't know it, it doesn't force you to enter a dimension. You can still keep moving forward. The bins on both sides are 20 and 18 millimeters and we're going to do a 400 millimeter width. Use your S key to start the line. Now select the base flange command, which is the same as the thin feature extrude but allows me to enter a thickness and a bend radius, and also a k-factor. This would be a great time to use your gauge table. I enter a depth of 700 millimeters and the part is created. What types of parts would I use this method to create? Parts that have the same shape. Examples of this are hat channels, u-channels, c-channels, and l-brackets. I need a notch of 20 millimeters on the edge of one of the flange. I'll use my soft relationship to pull it back. Wait, I can't do that. The part is defined off of the fin feature. This is where I would use the edge flange method. Create a sketch on the top plane. Use the S key to select the box and draw 400 millimeters by 700 millimeters. Select the base flange and use the same values as we entered before to create the flat part. Use the edge flange on the left and right side to create the 18 millimeter bends. We're going to finish the bends out with the 20 millimeter edge flange on both sides. Now I can use the soft relation to pull it back for the notch. When looking at the tree, you will notice there's a flat pattern folder that holds all the bins. What can I do with this? Why are the bins in there? A good example of this is you have a part that you have to put pins in and you put them in before the final bin. You would create a configuration of the part in this state so you can detail it in that way. I use sheet metal every day. Your S keys will look very different. Some of my favorite commands that I like to put in my S key are base flange, convert to sheet metal, edge flange, and hem. Method three, convert to sheet metal. Before we go to the next method, take a moment and check out our social media. Here you will find pictures of a part I have designed and fabricated for the convert to sheet metal method. This is one I use all the time. It is time to get excited. Method three is convert to sheet metal, and I have a feeling this is the one you will add to your daily workflow. Has a project come across your desk that is complex, and you thought, 
how am I going to get this designed and manufactured from sheet metal? Now, for you beginners, you've not had this problem yet, but don't worry, you will. Take notes. This will save years off of your life. This part has come to you from a client. They want the cost low. They want it to be one piece with no weldments. This could be a 3D model, imported geometry, like a step file. For this example, I designed a hopper. The model is a container that tapers down in the shape of a cone. This model is designed with three shapes, a top, a middle, and a bottom. The top is a square extrusion. The middle is a loft. All four sides have a 25-degree draft, and the bottom is also a square extrusion. You can see from this design, the part is complex. How's it going to unfold? Think back to that example that Michael gave you of a piece of paper with four sides flat. The best fixed entity is the top square. Here you have a nice flat surface to hinge all sides to. We will use a thickness of 1.2 millimeters, a bend radius of 1.5. The gap will be 1 millimeter, and the relief is a tear. When selecting the bend edges, think of where the part will rip or the edge bends will be. Select each side, then hinge them from the top. Once this is complete, you have a sheet metal part, and you can now use all of your favorite commands like edge flange, jog, and miter. The power of convert sheet metal is you can use any 3D model because it does not require uniform wall thickness. Let me say that again. It does not require uniform wall thickness. So the need to shell or cut a model is no longer needed. So we took a complex part, we imported the model, we converted it to sheet metal, and now we're done. It's that easy. Revision alert. We know the revisions are coming. They can't bend all four sides, only three. So now the part has to be two pieces and welded. The customer is okay with the design change. However, the time frame for the delivery does not change. So now we need two parts that line up perfectly and a welded assembly today. Here is where convert to sheet metal will save the day. Edit the convert to sheet metal. Remove the bend edges on the last side. Here is the cool part. Check, keep to body, then okay. Now you have a part, only three sides, and you see the 3D model you created it from. Do the convert to sheet metal again. This time select the one side. It's now time to create configurations for each part and the assembly. Finally, I create a folder in the tree to store the solid model. So anyone editing this will know that the part was modeled off of a solid model. This is a multi-body sheet metal part now. Did you know you could do that? This is a tip that you can amaze your friends and coworkers with. You have one drawing, two flat patterns, and a welded assembly created in minutes. And you're done. It's that easy. Well, of course, Glenn, as you know, we work in the sheet metal industry, meaning bending is our life. I mean, that's what we're doing day in, day out. Welcome to Michael's Corner, where I give you some of my favorite features or insight on the episodes. Now we're to the part of the podcast where we're introducing a new feature, and it's called Michael's Corner. Michael, when did you learn how to play a harp? There's a lot of things you don't know about me, Glenn. That's both frightening, and now I want to know more. So why don't you tell us about what's in your corner this week? Well, today in my corner is the unfold and fold method first. And the main use for this method in sheet metal is to cut across a bend. So Glenn, you and I both know, if you need to make a cut that interacts with a bend, the dimensions of that cut and the flat pattern are not going to turn out right. So the unfold and fold method allows you to simulate a flat state on that bend to create your cuts. Now, you can do this one bend at a time, or you can unfold the entire part altogether. I always unfold the entire part, so I can put any cuts I want all in one feature ready to go, fold it back up, there's my part again. Next, we're going to talk about the sketch bend. 
This starts out the opposite of all the other sheet metal tools. So a sketch bend, you start with your flat pattern, actually. So imagine you're getting a flat pattern in from a customer, and you have to bend this up into the 3D part. So you start with your flat pattern, and you physically sketch your bend lines onto the part and set the angles that they need to come up into to form your sheet metal part. Part design. Thanks for sharing that, Michael. I think people go back and use this every day in their workflow. We covered four methods of how to create parts in sheet metal. It came at you fast, take a breath, and collect your notes. The first question I get asked after teaching someone the basics of sheet metal is that I have this design, and what is the best method to use? The correct answer is all of them. The true power of sheet metal design is the ability to create a multi-body part. I will show you how to design a simple sub-assembly using everything we went over. First, the design will be a welded assembly made up of three parts. We need a bracket that will mount at two connection points with screws. Second, a notch is needed to clear a hat channel on the main assembly. We know the shape of the part is a triangle, with a notch in the lower right side and two flat spots to attach it with. Let's get started. Create a sketch that has a basic shape and extrude it. Sketch a thin feature on the side of the part by converting the bottom and the notch. Click the base flange and use up to surface of the other side of the 3D model. That was method two using thin feature. The next part will blow your mind how we create this part. Okay, we need 50 millimeters for the flat spots of the triangle. Create two sketches on the 3D model on the flat spots by converting the entity of each of them. Use the base flange and you will end up with two tabs. Create an edge flange but use the up to edge and merge. And just like magic, we now have part two. That was the edge flange method. We just used in a very different way. For the final part, we will convert to sheet metal. For the base face, select the side view, then select the bend from the back to the opposite side. So basically, it's going to hinge from the back to the side. What sorcery is this? We now have three parts. A finished assembly and flat patterns for all three parts. I'll finish out the design by adding mounting holes and some cuts in the side for them to attach the part. We used every method and got the design done quickly. Flat pattern and detail drawing. It's time to get that work of art we created produced and ready for a design review. So we have a multi-body design that contains three sheet metal parts and a welded assembly. We'll need an assembly drawn with a parts table, three detailed part drawings with a flat pattern and bend views. When I started the podcast, I said I was going to keep it basic. I will not be getting into any complex design features on this like different material types or how to do a weldment. However, I will answer the question, yes, you can have different material types for this part, and sheet metal parts can be used in a weldment. If you would like to know more on this, wait till the end for the contact information and send me an email. If you are new to sheet metal, you'll need to pay close attention on how to create the drawing. I have seen this done wrong so many times, and you will lose all flat pattern features if not done correctly. To get a configuration for each part, all you have to do is make a drawing. When you make a drawing, the first thing you notice is the flat pattern is not in the view palette. This is only if it's a multi-body part. Normal sheet metal parts will be created as soon as you do the drawing. Do not manually create configurations for the parts. Place an isometric view on sheet 1 and do not detail it. Create sheet 2 for your first part. Select model view, then double click the multi-body part. Use the option select bodies and pick the body you want to detail. 
When you bring the part into sheet 2, now the flat pattern view is available. Just place the flat pattern for now. If you go back to the model, now you will see the configuration named Default SM Flat Pattern. All of your flat pattern features are now available for this part. Example of this is Rotate and Flip View. If you need to create a DXF for your part to be programmed, go to the model, have the flat pattern configuration active for this part, right click and export out as a DXF. Create sheets 3 and 4 and repeat what we've done above to get a flat pattern for each sheet. We use PDM to store our parts and assemblies, and all of them have numbers. So the very next question I'm asked is how to assign a number and get them into a table that can show balloons for the shop. First, we are going to give the body's part numbers. When I started this multi-body part, I saved it as the assembly part number that I needed, so that part's easy. Make sure the weldment tab is on and select weldment. You must do this to get a table, even if the parts are not welded. Now right-click on the cut list and update. This will assign numbers to a table. Go to the model and you will see a cut list with three bodies in it. Slow click each body and rename it to a part number, for example, 1234. Under the annotation tab, select tables or use your S key. Select weldment cut list and place it or use an anchor point. The table is missing the item numbers. Right click on the table, add a new column with the cut list name picked from the property. And now there is a bill of material. You can add balloons and detail it just like you would any assembly. Let me share with you a story that just happened this week. After doing all the research and the outline for the podcast, I was walking in the shop and I noticed a two-part assembly. The design was complex, had too many seams and rips for me. I like my design to be as smooth as possible and to look like a plastic part. I went back to my workstation and I modeled it up quickly as a 3D part. My design intent was to remove as many seams as I could and make it out of one part. From a cost standpoint, this would be less material, punching, and labor. In the end, it would be a cost savings. To my surprise, I designed one part. I removed four seams. The reason I did this podcast was to show you a better way. I have been designing for 30 years, and I never stopped learning. I know deadlines are short and time is important, but the next project that comes across your desk, take a look at all the methods we discussed and just see what you can create. This is why I love design. Let's change the world one bend at a time. Design review. That's all we have for you today, so let's do a quick recap. We taught you about insert bins. We taught you about the thin feature. We taught you how to convert to sheet metal, and then we showed you the one method to bend them all, which is what we use, is the edge flange method. Now, Michael, he's always so great with our social media. He's going to tell you how that you can follow us on social media and just give you all that information. You're going to go on to Twitter and you're going to be looking for at the bender SW. That's at the bender SW. And then on Instagram, it's the bender SW. Same as the Twitter without the at. And then if you could, when you're, you know, messaging us and shooting us stuff or tagging us in anything, uh, if you could use the hashtag TheBenderSW, that'd be great just to get everything lined up on the social media aspect. And in the beginning of the podcast, we had discussed about our user group. How does a user join our user group if they wanted to, Michael? You're going to go to meetup.com. So meetup.com is an online resource that you can use to set up groups for meeting up. There's tons of local events and stuff like that, but we use it so we can do online meetings for SolidWorks, of course. And we always want your all's feedback. We all, that, that's what we're here for. Please email us with your questions. We will definitely 
develop those into podcast episodes. We will do a deep dive into what is your problems. Don't feel like, hey, I'm alone. There, I know there's a better way. How can I fix this? That's what we're here for. And Michael and I may not always have the answer, but what we do have is we have the SolidWorks user group community behind us, and we can shoot an email out, and I promise you within 24 hours you'll have more responses and ways to do it than you ever thought of. So, Michael, just quickly, what is the email address they can use if they want to contact us? That's going to be SokiSwug at gmail.com. That's S-O-K-Y-S-W-U-G at gmail.com. And in closing, everybody, have a great week. And remember, it's not broken. It's just bent. And we're here to help you.